Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We're broadcasting from Coralville, Iowa. For more information about Life Church, to watch a live stream, or to find a campus near you, go to lifechurchnow.org. One of our hopes each and every week that you come in here, we open the doors, we turn the cameras on, and our hope that the information that we've laid out and the service we've planned, we, we hope that it's good. But that's not the end goal. The end goal is that you take that information, right? And you take that, that those, those moments and it leads you somewhere, and that is to Jesus. Our prayer is that those things, it goes from head knowledge to heart knowledge into seeking him. Amen? Now, I'm just going to say this from the get-go. I'm going to be asking questions. I'm going to ask you to respond, and I say this each and every time. Do it. Just, just say, yeah, amen. Yell at me. I'll yell at you back. You're not going to offend me. But, but there is something about being uh, in the moment and alive and responding. And so I'm just going to encourage you to do that. We're going to take a deep dive here in a little bit. I say a deep dive. It's not that deep dive, but we are going into go some Old Testament scripture. So stay with me. There's going to be a point to this. I don't want to lose you right now. And you're like, oh gosh, we're going to read. And so-and-so begat so-and-so. That's not where we're going. But I just want to encourage you to just jump in. We're, uh, hopefully, this goes in a different direction that you think, and then you leave with something that you didn't know before. And so um, you may not know me. I may not know you, but my past is littered with music. My mom uh, was a vocalist in many bands, secular and Christian. She sang at bars and, and had that life. And then when um, she received Christ and brought us along in there to the church, uh, she sang in the church, and that had a profound effect on me. It influenced me greatly. And, uh, but each, uh, I mean, we got in the car. We, there was four of us kids. We were singing. Uh, that's when I learned how to sing, and that's how I learned how to harmonize. And uh, my mom was a beautiful uh, harmonizer. If there was somebody seen lead, she could sing that uh, fine, different, actually different um, uh, you know, we have the tenor and the soprano and the alto. She could sing them all. And she had a great ear. And so that influenced me. And so I, in the mid-90s, went to Bible college to be a music major. Um, and and that looks a little different sometimes. I, I mean, we teach all the same classes. I mean, I, I had classes like music theory and uh, sight singing and sight reading and all that. But I had classes like uh, hymnology. They don't teach that typically in, in universities, right? You know, for music, you, you don't get the study of hymns. Uh, so we did, and I did conducting. So at the end of it, I was able to, you know, direct, uh, in that case, or in, in my world, it was choirs more than orchestras, but I could direct choirs and things like that. So uh, basically, it was a technical school for those being in, wanting to be in vocational ministry. And, uh, and so at the end of it, I was able to lead music, theoretically, I guess. I was able to lead music in church. And I laugh because there are moments where I question my abilities. <laughs> um, and so I didn't play an instrument. It was mostly vocal, uh, vocal-led. And so that was kind of my experience. So after, after school, um, I had the opportunity to, to work at some, uh, a couple of larger churches. And there were, uh, especially for the time, there were kind of mainstream ministries that had a um, more of a charismatic presence. And, and even the ch- church that I attended when I was at school, it was very demonstrative in their expression of worship. There was a lot of uh, 
a lot of singing, a lot of clapping, a lot of uh, dancing possibly. And, um, but there was a lot of express, physical expression to what they were singing or what they were doing. The service was very, very dy- dynamic. The pastor, usually a lot of preachers were going to get into it and it'd spit and everyone had to put plastic on the front row or because you were going to get spit on and I can feel myself already with them. But those were the services that I was used to. Okay. So fast forward to 2005 and uh, Pastor Rich and I start Life Church. I am the first worship pastor of Life Church and it's different. It's different here. It's a different culture, a different time. And so, I, you know, similar to today, we get a myriad of different uh, people come from different church backgrounds. Some are more liturgical. Um, churches that they've come from, definitely conservative in the way that they, uh, the, the worship uh, services run. And so it was different. A lot of people were not comfortable by doing physical expressions or uh, allowing their, <laughs> to lifting their hands or clapping or something like it was just different. So just let me ask you this, uh, and show of hands, how many of you have come from a background that was more conservative, just, you know, more, maybe even more formal? Yeah, yeah, we all, there's a lot of us that have had those experiences. And so beginning, the beginning of Life Church was that. It was this hard transition. And Pastor Rich and I have really experienced very similar backgrounds and similar church experiences. And so it was tough for me. I think he, he made the transition a lot easier than I did. But me being the worship leader where people are more active in that time, um, this is what you would get. I mean, hey, would you stand with this? They would actually sit down if they, were, if they were already standing. It was, I dare you, I dare you to ask me to stand one more time. I'm walking out, you know. And, and there's, there wasn't angry, you know. There, there were probably people that they just, and there was no judgment necessarily. It was just, that was their experience. They weren't going to be clapping. They weren't going to be singing. There was a handful of people that would sing out loud and, and clap and all that, maybe out of, like, okay. I probably should do this, you know, but more so it wasn't just, it wasn't their experience. And that was a big transition for me. And so today I want to do something. I want to talk about why we worship because I know in this church, but then also in the community as a whole, we have different expressions and it looks different. And the way you were raised and the way you were taught was probably different than the way I was. And so we just wanted to, I just want to share a little bit about what scripture says about why we do it. Is that all right? Okay. I can leave and you, somebody else could get up here. <laughs> it's like you have a choice, right? You're like, no, I'd rather hear something about the, no. Okay. From the beginning of this church, we had a mission And it was to create the atmosphere where people can become fully devoted followers of Jesus. And part of that expression, part of this, creating this atmosphere, there has to be an understanding of what worship means. And so that's where we're going today. What does that mean to create that atmosphere, that atmosphere of worship in our services, not just the music portion, but in our services as a whole or in our classes, or in our life groups? What does that look like? So, um, I want to start here. I want to give you a very simplified definition of worship. Worship is a response to what we value most. Again, worship is a response to what we value most. 
And we do that by expressing our love for something or for someone. You can always tell what other people value most by the amount of what? Time, by the amount of energy and money that you give to a thing. I mean, how many would believe, I mean, how many believe that that statement is true, right? If you value exercise, you're going to get up at 4.30 in the morning, make the drive over to the gym, and you're going to do it because why? You value that. Okay, that's came with relationships or things. If you value, you're going to make time for that thing that you value most. And I believe that we are hardwired to worship. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. And so uh, because of that, we all, because of that belief, we all worship something. Everyone's time, effort, and affection is going somewhere. Your time through your week is going somewhere, okay? Your affection, your desires, they're going somewhere. They're going in one direction or another, okay? It could be your careers. It could be sports. It could be entertainment. It could be your hobbies. It could be a myriad of things. In fact, it, it, literally, it could be anything. It could be anything. So what happens when other things, other people, become the object or the focus of our worship? Well, that's what we're going to kind of unpack a little bit today. So let's look at what Jesus says in Matthew 15. These people, these people were the Pharisees and the uh, teachers of the law that he was talking to, honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. These people, again, the Pharisees and the and the teachers of the law, they were keeping the law by saying and doing all the right things, but what they were saying wasn't living up to the intention or matching the intention of their heart. And so you may be here, you may be on the serve team, you may teach a class, you may be a part of a life group. You may be in some type of uh, a leadership role, but your heart and your affections are somewhere else. You may be doing the motions, but your heart is not in it. And Jesus is saying here, it's in vain. That means it's worth nothing. It's zero. There's no benefit. Just because we have the right motions and say the right things, it doesn't matter because your heart is not in the right place. And this is where it gets down. The rubber meets the road. It's a heart matter. If you take nothing else from today, realize it's your heart, the position, the posture of your heart. Okay? All right. Let's jump into the next passage here. And, and Jesus points to the essence of worship, the nature of worship. So it says, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship him in the spirit and in truth. The nature of our worship should be in the spirit and in truth. The main point of our worship to God is putting the focus of his worth on display. You see, the English word that we come from, from worship is, is the word worth, worth-ship. 
meaning worship is showing or displaying the worth of God, valuing God, treasuring God, trusting God. I loved when Pastor Josh, he sang, um, when we were singing Waymaker, he did, he did that little bridge or that little chorus of, oh, come let us adore him, but for he alone is worthy. His worthiness, our, his worthship, our worthship, what we value, who are we worshiping? I'm gonna say this statement, I'm gonna repeat it because I want you to hear it. God does not mind that you have other things that you love, okay? God doesn't mind that you have other things that you love. But remember in the Old Testament, his first command to us is that you cannot worship or you cannot love other gods or other things more than him. And then in the New Testament, Jesus is asked, so what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul and with all of your mind. He must be first before anything else. He must be first. And many times we exchange our worship from God to something else. And I've said it, simplified it to this. We are trading or exchanging. Remember those words, trading and exchanging our creator for something he created. We're exchanging something from the creator to something he created. Now, you may be thinking right now that uh, what's the big deal? So what if I put something in, in, in front of God? What if I love something more? And so for in order to answer that, in order to grasp the significance of our worship, we need to go back to the beginning. And I want to look at the first worshiper. So um, you may have heard of the angel named Lucifer. How many have heard that name, Lucifer? Okay, yeah. Um, we're not talking about the TV series, by the way. Not the one on CW or whatever that one is on. Although that, that character, is, it, it's an interesting character. It's based on Lucifer. But Lucifer is an archangel, okay? And this is what, how the Bible describes. We're gonna look at the, how the Bible describes Lucifer, but this is who we're looking at, the Lucifer of the Bible, Okay, so there are three divisions of these archangels, these vice presidents of heaven. We've got, uh, uh, if you can think of it, I, I'm visual. So if you think of a big pie scale, right, or a pie uh, graph, you've got three divisions, three, three, three thirds. Is that three thirds? Two, three thirds. Thank you. Which is a whole. Math was never uh, music. Yeah, math, not so much. Uh, so three thirds. So you've got the first one is Michael. Michael was in charge of prayer. All right? And you'll find that in the book of Daniel. That's where it talks about that. Then you've got another division, and that's Gabriel. Gabriel was in charge of the word. He was the messenger. Okay? That's, that's how, so that's two-thirds. Then the three-thirds here is Lucifer. That's worship. So you've got prayer, you've got the word, and you've got worship. Every service you come to, these three dynamics are here. Worship prayer, and the word. But something happened to this guy that caused him to be kicked out of heaven and sent to this earth. And we need to look at two passages and two books chronicle this. There's Isaiah and Ezekiel. 
Okay, and I just want to read these passages to kind of give you a context of who Lucifer was. So in Isaiah 14, he says, How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. We're talking about Lucifer being cast out of heaven. Theologians, scholars, talk about a timing of when this happened. And it's found in Genesis 1-1, between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. They call it the gap theory. So uh, again, the timing. Uh, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Punctuation. Now we see it today as a period, but the original uh, was something different. It, It denoted something, a bigger space of time. We don't know how long that time was, but there was a longer space of time than just period, next sentence, okay? And during this time, this is when Lucifer was cast, in, uh, cast to the earth, kicked out of heaven. This is when Lucifer fell, okay? So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Space of time, Lucifer came down, was cast into the earth, right? And then we get verse two. Verse two of... Genesis is now the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep. Okay, let's go jump back into uh, Isaiah here. God speaking about Lucifer here. Uh, you said in your heart, look at this. I put these lines here. I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the Mount of Assembly on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself the most high. I forgot one of those. The five I wills. Lucifer wanted to be, he says, like God, like the most high. I will. I will do all these great things. This is why it's so important that we are careful what we worship, of what we love more than God, because if we are not careful, we end up doing exactly what Lucifer did, trying to ascend above our King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Let's go back to verse 11. It says, you, your pomp or your vanity, your boastfulness is brought down to Sheol and the sound of your stringed instruments Stringed instruments right here, if you go back, if you talk to theologians or read their stuff, they said it's not just uh, that he played instruments, is that he was an instrument. Now, this may be a horrible analogy, and I don't know, I think it may have fell flat for service, who knows, but in my head, and this is how I think, Beauty and the Beast, how many have seen it? There's some inanimate objects that come to life because of, you know, blah, blah, blah. But they're, they're moving, they're dancing, they're singing. I can't remember the name, the, the song they're doing. Be a guest, be a guest. Okay. Follow me, you're on there? Okay. I see this harp. I see this stringed instrument with, you know, in splendor and majesty. And, and this is what I'm, I'm envisioning when I'm thinking about Lucifer and, and having strings built into him, okay? So, uh, so just remember that, the stringed instruments. So let's go ahead and um, jump to Ezekiel here. 
You are the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You are in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. Now I did dot, dot, dot here because it goes on to talk about all the stones that he was made of. But for time's sake, I want to go on. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. He was not only made of strings, but he had timbrels, which is like cymbals and pipes. Who, who, who was a music major or a musician in here? Raise your hand. Okay. Yep. Again, a handful. We don't have a lot of musician, music majors in here. Uh, same thing for service, just a handful of people. But here's what it is. There's three divisions of instruments. You've got string instruments. You've got percussion. And you have winds. He was stringed instruments. He was percussion instruments. And he had built-in pipes and made them wind instruments. Is that, have you seen that before? Has anyone just like, is this, this is like, for me, after I, you know, after I was beginning to do this, I knew these stories and I had read these things. But again, it, having this thought of a angel being an instrument is fascinating to me. So, uh, let's move on to uh, the next verse here. Thank you, Sarah. You were anointed as a guardian cherub, for so I adorned you. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you through your widespread trade. Remember that word we used, exchange and trade, earlier? There it is. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the Mount of God and I expelled you, guardian cherub, cherub meaning angel, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty. Listen to this. And you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth. He was amazing. Perfect, beautiful, full of wisdom. Just think about how beautiful he was. There is power in this being called Lucifer who is in charge of worship and music. So right now, if we played a certain song, I want to feel it, or... Carry on my way, but I don't know who would have those songs took you back. Some of you, you were taken back in an instant. You remember hearing that song for the first time or was something connected to a memory or a story. I could play a certain song and you would just begin to weep because of the power behind that song, because of it's taking you to a place of remembrance. Songs, music have power. And here's what's crazy. This is what we do, especially in our modern times. Think about this. Think about how we elevate these music artists. Okay, sports is big, right? In America, sports is big. But think about the artists, the musical artists today. We've given them names like King. He was the king of rock and roll. Who was that? Uh-huh. All right, how about the king of pop? Michael Jackson, Okay. What about the queen of soul? Aretha Franklin. Look at this. You are on it, man. You're a music lover. I can tell. And then we have TV shows like American Idol. 
I always found an interesting, uh, that, that title for that show, which I've watched from the beginning, American Idol. So do you hear the pride? <laughs> do you hear the pride in Lucifer? Do you hear it? He was talented. He was so beautiful. But he traded and exchanged all of that. And he was found wicked because of his pride. So God had to kick him out. He fired him. And now we have a problem. Gabriel and Michael are all alone, but we still have this third department that isn't filled. There's a position that needs to be filled. And here's what I want to point out. This all happened, don't forget, between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2, before Adam was created. So, who did God put as the new worship leader? He didn't put another angel. You and me. We are the new worshipers. Do you realize that you have stringed instruments? We have two vocal cords right here that when they vibrate back and forth. You create speech. You would create sounds. We can sing. And in order to move those vocal cords, you realize you have pipes. (laughs) You have lungs to move that wind through those vocal cords. You are a wind instrument. Rhythm. Some of you need to work on your rhythm. That's a whole nother topic. We can work on it. Come on. Yeah. We can work on that. But we are all three. We are strings. We are wind. We are fire. No, we are percussion. The power of the story of mankind is that God created us so that we would have the choice to worship the creator And here's why I don't think he, and the reason why he didn't put an angel in charge. (laughs) Because he would have done it again. If he would have put a hireling in charge, if he would have created another angel for that, they would have done the same thing because the power was too great. The vanity would have entered again. The pride would have entered back. And so he created a being that had a choice and that's you and me. We to worship him from our own free will and nothing is more powerful, nothing more intimate than saying, Jesus, I worship you. So the slide or the, 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 the title of this message is why worship? The answer to that question is this. We were created for it. We were made to worship. And this We can worship other things. That's the problem. We have that choice, but we were created to worship him and him alone. So here, let me be clear. Music is a big part, and I'm using these examples of of, of instruments and and my experience as a worship leader and and all of that. But that's one expression of 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 worship. It's not strict to music, but it's powerful. Music is power. And so... 
How many of you, like me, buy greeting cards uh, you know, at the store? You know, birthday cards and anniversaries and Valentine's Day and no one? Oh, okay. All right. All right. Good. I know people's thoughts about that. Oh, Valentine's Day, just another. Anyway, okay. I buy them because I don't have, I don't have the words right off the way. I buy the card because it, it's, it says it in a way that I could never say it. And then I connect the dots with that person. And, and hopefully you're just not picking up a card and be like, sign in, like, hey, happy birthday. But you go, you go through, read them. I mean, you look at the card aisle and you'll see people are looking, picking up another one, looking and seeing. They're trying to find the right words to say and worship music. Those who write, Josh writes music. Uh, I've written a few songs, questionable whether it's a true song or not. But the point is, is that there are words that others can write. They have this creativity and this artistic way to do it that says exactly how we feel. When we're singing Waymaker today and, you know, even if we don't see it, you're working. Even if I don't feel it, you're working. I would have never said those words. But some artists wrote those and pinned those down. They use scripture and they're writing down these verses of the Bible and it just triggers something in us. And then a musician takes and adds chords to it and it just brings power to those words. If we stop with just singing the songs, as remember, the words of your lips, they're in vain unless your heart unless your heart is connected to the same thing. So if we stop with just singing the songs, it doesn't go anywhere. We have to connect that. We have to say, God, I believe these words. <laughs> I believe what I'm, I'm saying here. I want to adore you. God, I, I want to esteem you. I want to worship you. There is something so powerful about connecting it in that way. And so I want to just show you via our eight values, how worship can look and and what it it can look, it can look differently in different ways. And so um, here are all of our eight values, biblical truth. Um, The word of God is our daily bread. Okay. And it helps guide us and charts a path to the father, the Bible which I encourage you if you don't dive into it and read it and have your devotion time with the word of God, it's so important, but it's only a means to him. It's a way of worshiping him. God's love, because he first loved us, we can love him desperately and show his love to others. That's a way we can worship. Passionate spirituality, Jesus passionately pursued us and we in turn will go after him with our whole being. Connected community, If you think about the the Trinity, right? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It is a perfect, it's perfect imagery and a perfect relationship that shows how we should live in community together. That's why life groups are so important because we need to see each other face to face. We need to be learning from one another and getting sharpened and, 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 and share our weaknesses with those. This is what is is throughout the whole Bible is structured for our understanding of relationship, but it's worship. The authenticity, the truth that sets us free to worship authentically relevance. We're not going, we're going to push back against staying the same. We're going to push the bounds. That's worship generosity where as, as we give, whether that's, you know, to the local church or to uh, kingdom builders or uh, to admissions or whatever that looks like. 
When we are generous with what we have and our resources, our time, God is worshiped. Everyone is valuable. We value what he values. All of us are invaluable to him. So I have a couple of questions. Have you exchanged the creator for something he created? And I'm going to ask you to think about that. Let it, let it just sit there for a minute. Or have you been talking the talk, but not walking the walk? Have you, what you're saying and what you really truly love in your heart, is that matching up together? So right now, we're gonna practice what we've been talking about. Would you do this? Would you go ahead and stand to your feet, please? Online audience, if you are sitting and you can and you're in your living room or wherever, bedroom, why don't you stand to your feet? Let us be in a, let's just get in a place in our mind and our thinking about how we can worship the Holy One, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Here's some Psalms. Praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of his faithful people. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heaven. Praise him for his mighty works. Praise his unequaled greatness. Praise him with a blast of ram's horn. Praise him with the lyre and the harp. Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise him with the strings and flutes. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with loud clanging cymbals. Let everything that has breath sing praises to the Lord and let all that I am praise the Lord. Oh Lord, my God, how great you are. These are Psalms that David wrote to express his love and his worship to his God and King. And if you have never experienced this, if, if you have never taken a step to be like, God, I know my physical presence is not saying it, but my heart is, and you can work on the physical, but I just, where's your heart? What is your heart saying? Is your song to God that? Or are you thinking about something else? So Father, right now, no matter what it is, no matter what they're thinking about, God, I pray in this moment, Holy Spirit, bring our attention to who you are. God, let us not be able to worship the thing that you created. Let us be able to worship you, the creator. Father, all of our work, all of our being, let us worship you. You created us to sing and to shout and to pray and to praise. You created us to worship you with all that we are and all that I am. Let your presence flow. Let your passion come forth. Let us feel your presence like none other. And let us worship you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship you.